Lawsuits gone wild. Potentially a new sunrise for Sunset Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Senior Bridges. Saw Bridges. Bring you guys lucky episode 211. Man, I don't know why the number as it grows continues to be like, there's no way we've done this for that long. I know, right? <laughs> and then I think back on it, and we absolutely have. But hey, if this is your first time joining us, we will be getting into the main topics of the show when we get to the news and whatnot, as well as the community's take, where we ask you guys in the community to come back and answer a question that we give you so we can get some audience participation throughout these episodes. But stick around for all that and where you can find us and whatnot. We start this show off in a nice time-honored tradition way. Saul, what have you been up to this week? What games have you been playing? Fill in the audience and fill me in. I actually don't know most of what you've been playing. I don't think, at least. I haven't played anything this week. So, uh, Returnal is except it? Retur- yeah, except Returnal. <laughs> okay. I didn't play anything at all during the week. Um, and on Friday, I got some birthday gifts, um, and one of which allowed me to buy Returnal. Uh, so, I didn't have to pay for it out of pocket directly for me, which is fantastic. Um and I've been enjoying it. You know, me and you were talking about for the le- the weeks leading up, anytime we mention Returnal, is that if it's worth $70 or not. And I have progressed through what I think is most of the game. I keep, like, Celine keeps mentioning, like, we're here, this is it, the signal's just over there. Uh, and I'm at the Citadel for people who are curious. Um, I kind of like the idea, though, that she just keeps saying that, but she's never right. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Um, but I'm on the, that's the third area, technically, because I've beaten the first two bosses, now I'm here, and I really like the way they're telling the story of this game. It's really cool, and the story is pretty well done, in my opinion. I was telling Brett that it feels like an 80s space horror, and I I love, that. that's one of my favorite types of horror movies, um, but I'm still debating if this game is worth the 70 if i could recommend it to somebody for full price and i still think that it goes back to like if you could get it for 50 absolutely worth a buy um but it is it or if you just have 70 dollars laying around that you that you literally don't care to spend then yeah i think it'd be worth it for that for that purpose too yeah i think these questions always come down to level of disposable income yeah like if you are if you're wanting a game that is I would say addicting, but here's my thing. This game suffers from the same problem, and I said this in Discord, that Battle Royale games have with me. And this is kind of a personal thing. I, those, All these games, they have a very long setup. You are playing for upwards of 30 to 45 minutes or longer, and you're setting yourself up in terms of your weapon, your loadout, everything like that, only to be squashed in a very quick manner that... It, you kind of just have to do it all again. Now, there are ways to circumvent that in Returnal. There's some artifacts you can get that's like the little astronaut figure and stuff like that. And the further you get, the the you shouldn't be dying quickly. Um, I will say, when I first got to the Citadel, uh, I will warn you and anybody else who's listening, there are these little turret flying things that shoot missiles at you, and there's like six of them. Do not get close to them. They killed me almost like within 10 seconds. Because... They they do this weird thing like where some some of these enemies when they die they shoot out with a, the ring of death the yeah. damage yeah and you're dodging that you're dodging missiles that have semi tracking on you 
and then the regular normal fire that they're doing as well. And it just got into a big mess. But, yeah, if you're looking for a game that's pretty addicting, barring that you don't mind having to restart a lot like that, like in most roguelites, Enter the Gungeon, for example, a run, in my experience, never took this long. No. And I guess while we're talking about Returnal, Returnal, I started last night because I knew that there were some people that have been wanting to know our opinions on it, and I hadn't had a chance just due to stuff going on. I mean, it being Mother's Day today didn't help. I mean, in terms of other things that are more important than playing games, that's kind of what it comes down to. And arguably, as weird as this is going to sound, we play games so often and have been doing this show for so long, clearly so inspired by games, that lately, giving up a whole day of excuse me, playing a game so that me and Andrew and Saul can get together and just nerd out on Yu-Gi-Oh cards actually feels more important than playing games for a number of reasons. I mean, the social aspect of it, getting back into something that we've loved multiple times in Yu-Gi-Oh, getting to see your friends, and just taking a moment away from something that's so digital and playing a game but in a more human sense. It's, a, it's kind of why tabletops are fun occasionally. It's like a, a break from video games. It's like yeah. you still pull together and do the part of gaming, but it feels different. It feels like you're living in a very different way than when you're playing a game. Yeah, and, and that's the reason almost why like I wanted to, I picked Thursday for yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! Night because it's something you look forward to at the end of the week. And as you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday goes, you're like, I can't wait till you know Thursday play some Yu-Gi-Oh. And then you get there, and then you leave, and you're like, well, tomorrow's Friday, then the weekend. So it's like it's a good cap off to the work week. Yeah. Um, and I have I have really been enjoying that. That's why I'm kind of bummed out about today being Mother's Day in a, in a sense because like <laughs> nobody can hang out. Darn mothers. <laughs> we had like we kind of have to be in a semi rush to get the show done for plans and yeah. can't play Yu-Gi-Oh. So back on Returnal real quick. Yes. Uh, I'm not nearly as far as you. But anybody who is wanting to know my side of it, I agree a lot with Saul on this particular thing. I think going into what the game does well, I think that it can kind of boost the length of its runs by a lot of the interesting things it has in it, like the ability to kind of craft items by taking your obelites or whatever they're called and infusing them in and kind your of souls. It, it's interesting because there's a lot of games that play off of this same style, uh, even without being roguelites, but. There is that element of like, oh, instead of this being like a, oh, I spent 15 minutes on this run and then I messed up right at the very end, or I spent 30 minutes on this run and messed up at the very end, it does feel like Returnal is a lot longer. So I've only played up to the first boss, and I almost beat him, and or actually, I did still almost beat him, but let me kind of give you the story. I wasn't paying attention to his health bar, so when I saw it was at the very end, the UI in this game has got a very computer-like version to it. So I didn't realize that the two bars behind, like up at the top left, was like basically the Kingdom Hearts style yeah, life, I, where you only see the one, but then when you knock it down, I saw him do his little things. I was like, okay, cool, I can rest. And then I got smacked hard <laughs> and wasted my second chance. Yeah. And then it was like, oh... If I would have not been dumb, I probably could have beat this. And, and then my second chance would have let me go through. Because there is something to learn um, with those. I still got him down to about a quarter of his health before he finally got me. But I'm really enjoying the aspect of having things to collect. Almost like the... Uh, there's a lot of games I feel in this. Like there's the, oh, I'm going to be in a, in a foreign territory to me. And I'm going to be trying to understand language and whatnot. So I like that you can find shards of the Xeno-type... Um, 
or whatever they're called, language, and then you can go back to the big kind of monoliths, and the more you find, the more you can reread them and get more, and you're like, what is this saying? What's what's weird, and, I, and I'm not going to spoil you, obviously, on what it says, or anybody for that matter, what is interesting is when you actually can, when you get all the, like, the, because the way I understand it, and I think this is how it just is, but every every area has X amount of these, um, I, I can't like what they're called either, we'll call language, them shards. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, once you get them all, you can finally read what's on these little like little monoliths. And what's weird is how different they appear when you're barely understanding it versus the actual message. Oh, it okay, changes because yeah. I can read in terms of there is English language for me that I can read. There's like two outside different of fonts. maybe like three different like three little symbols. Yeah, not even full runs of symbols. There's three little symbols on one of them because I found like three or four fragments, but none of it makes sense even though it's in English. It's like dancing octopuses or something, 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 and you're like, what? I don't know what that means. Like because you'll you'll notice there's two different fonts. Yes. There's like there's normal English and then there's like a really kind of smallish narrow one. Yeah, and it's almost like it's italicized. Yeah, and yeah. Th- I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a hint to where you find the other ones. I don't know how that works. Like I don't I don't know. Um but I think that's what a lot of makes this game kind of fun is the weapons, you know, you're like, I don't know if I like this and you pick it up and like for me, I actually really like sidearms and carbines. And I really like carbines. I've had the one that's like a shotgun, basically. I hate it. It's mixed bag, but I think it's because I can see where you get into new biomes and you don't want to be near anything. Yeah. And it's only really useful either with a secondary fire or once you finally get uh, close to them. Now, before it, before it leaves my mind, um, there's two things I find really interesting about the way this story goes. Uh, first thing that popped in my head is there's a lot of other game-style references in this, or I should say like references slash inspiration when you go into the house i was like this is pt as hell yeah in a cool way yeah it's like Um, an homage and then you kind of go through and you have those moments like you hear something beating on the door and you're like what and she's like who's up there it was like i was like okay this is cool uh and i kind of like this other side gamble thing that it got where it's like okay um you can get things that are malignant and they have a chance and you run this risk of like you, when you first pick it up, you have a chance of getting a malfunction. Right. And then if you do get the malfunction, you have a chance on how hard it is to clear that malfunction and how much it may hurt you in the long run. Like, are you going to get something beneficial and it's a pretty easy malfunction to get rid of so that in the long run you come out on top? Or is it one Some of them like, are really easy oh, to get rid of. Some of them are really annoying to get rid of. Exactly. I really like that, and I, and I like that kind of risk-reward gameplay. Uh, but how did you feel? This is something I said early for PS5 when people they started talking about the dual sense and it's uh, stop triggers. How do you feel? And I think it's going to be something in uh, Ratchet and Clank as well about using the trigger stops to basically add two, two more buttons. buttons. Yeah, I like it. It takes a while to get used to. Yeah. Um, the the games the games controls take a while, while to get used to. And what I mean by that is it's the game is very fast in most areas. It's slow in some, but fast in most. But the aiming is... it. I don't know how to describe it. It just feels different. It doesn't... like. I, I guess the mindset I'm going into is like, this is bullet hell, this is a twin stick kind of thing I need to do. Sure. But it doesn't work that way. It works as an actual third-person shooter. And it's it's just... An, it's like a... For me, it's just like, this is kind of hard to get accustomed to, or at least it was. That's why I died a lot in the early stages. I was not even trying to progress. I was just going in trying to get the controls down perfectly. And I got them down now. Like that, like in terms of like being adequately skillful in them. Sure. It's, it's, 
it does what it should. I think every game should be to where the moment you turn it on, as long as you're somewhat familiar with existing within a 3D space, you can play this game in terms of picking it up and understanding how to move, jump, reload, and all that very quickly. I am glad they added the Enter the Gungeon slash uh, Gears of War reload in there. Yes. It adds it adds a different little thing there. Um, it teaches you not to ride the trigger too much because yep. then you'll mess up and actually miss your overdrive situation. I like that our overcharge... One of those two. I forget what it's called. Yeah, I think it is Overcharge. Um, but yeah, that was cool as well. And just all sorts of little things in terms of we're going to make the game really interesting and add extra elements. Because I guess the biggest thing for me is I'm playing Scourgebringer still. I play it every day at break on lunch. I mean, uh, at break and lunch at work. Um, and you've seen me do it. And there's two so different. One's a full 3D take on this style. And I think it's way different because of it. And one is like a little, you see a screen and then you have to choose whether you want to go down, up, left, or right. It's not a continuous environment. So you kind of go through and you feel that. And then you know how this game has got these teleporters? In in Scourgebringer, you can unlock in the tree, uh, and it's an actual skill tree. (laughs) But you can unlock the ability to teleport between rooms. So anytime you're in a room, you hit circle. It'll bring up your whole map. You go to a room and you hit circle, you'll teleport to it. Um, so a lot of little similarities are existing here and it's set up in such a way where looking at, I can get to almost the last thing in Scourgebringer, the last section, typically throughout the entirety of break, 10 minutes. I don't see in my brain yet. And I know that there's a way to just circumvent all the other stuff at the risk of not preparing your character to just quickly go to the next biome. I assume, right? Like so, say I beat the boss. Yeah. I can run, go straight into that boss area, beat the boss again if I even have to, and just go to the next biome. So, I'm trying to remember how it works exactly for the first boss because the first boss you have to fall down the hole, right? Um, that sounds for, right. For yeah. uh, what's his name, Frike? Yeah, Frike. You have to fall down the hole uh, in order to get to him. I'll say this right now, and I'm, I'm going to be very spoiler free for this. You don't have to go and do that every time. Not only that, but you do not have to go and like the the second biome. You don't have to go back to that if you don't want to. Once you beat it, so you can completely you, circumvent. Yeah, it? you can completely like there is shortcuts to take. Now that's all up to you on your first run through the forest to say like, or or just how skilled you are. Like th- like this morning when I got as far as I did, all the way through the second area. I died by the turret things I was telling you about, and then I went through again, and I didn't even go to the second area. I just went through, and I did everything that I could. Um, you know, like, there's a uh, there's an area where it's always it's always the same exact layout, but it's it's a long bridge that's cut, and then there's a room to the right. Yes. And then there's enemy robots up top. Yep. You, when you get the grappling hook, that's your shortcut. Okay. There yeah. is no more, like, there is no more going to the second biome or, or anything like that. You just go, that takes you into the third citadel. That's the third biome. Okay. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to say, like, what you do to get anything like that or anything like that, so don't worry about that. But, yes, there is shortcutting. It's like unlocking rooms and enter the dungeon that you could just go through and then pop yeah, out. and it's all risk and reward thing. Because, like, the risk comes down to if you don't explore the rest of the biome, you may not get the upgrades you got otherwise. Or like trophies for, like, the languages and, and yes. stuff like that. Because the, the second biome has, like, 20 languages. Yeah. 20 dialects, whatever they're called. Shards. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, fragments, I guess. Is fragments. Probably, I think actually, that's I think what it's called. Yeah. Um, 
So, and, and I guess that's the last thing I'll bring about it, and you're way further. You talked about the story. I really like the very skewed story. It remi- it makes me think of Bloodborne, though I think in the long run it's going to be a little bit more on the nose than something like Bloodborne, but it's really vague, and it's leaving it up to you to try and like piece together some things, at least throughout your early days of playing, as well as it being just cool to be able to look it down and be like, oh, there goes a dead version of me, and so, that's interesting. <laughs> you'll go into the house on a couple of different occasions, yeah, and yeah. it gets a little more straightforward. But unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. I think I can already tell where the story's heading with, with when they give you one piece of information. Sure. And I'm like, and, and it, well, it's two. It's two pieces of information. And for those wondering what I'm going to say, it's involving the TV and involving a table. It's going to make you go to those objects. So if you're far enough, you know what I'm talking about. If you, if you, don't, if you, if you don't, you don't have no idea what that means. But it's like you put two and two together. I'm like... Is this how they're going to play? Like, is this how the story's going to pan out? I think, and I think that's what's going to happen. I'm, I, I will say this: not every roguelike game has a story that's like I want to get through just for the story. Yes, yes. Because yes. Hades for me, like, was was fun in every other aspect. The story was the on the back burner. It was the gameplay that drove me forward. Well, and a lot of a lot of them, it's really the story is more the setup for the reason why the game is being played, and that's yes. still true here. But like Scourgebringer. It's interesting, but it's surface level. It's like, oh, okay, there's this thing that we've all known, and it's basically, it makes me think of, uh, and actually I get a little bit of that vibe from here too, uh, it's kind of like uh, Maze Runner, where it's like, oh, you enter the Scourge, uh, the Scourge Bringer is what we call it, you enter it, and then it's about figuring out how to get out, and once you, it's really interesting, it's the same thing because it's, there's a story reason why when you die, you restart. Yeah. Just you, like, enter, you enter the Scourge Bringer, and the Scourge Bringer won't release you. It's like, ah, you've come to me now. You're stuck in here until you can complete this. Yeah, just like Hades, like where you resurface. Like you're yeah. going through the different hells of Olympus or whatever it is, and then when you die, you get brought back to Hades. Like I forget what it's called. I haven't played yeah. Hades in forever. And some games care about that, and then others don't. Because like, Enter the Gungeon doesn't take two seconds at all to be like, no. why are you coming back? It's like you're coming back because you're shooting a gun that shoots guns. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what that's, this game that's is. That's why you're coming back. Yeah. And in this, you're coming back because you know you, you get left with how you know Brett was saying the story's kind of splintered in that way. This game does a fantastic job of story pacing in the sense of like, hey, here's this really cool thing of ev- like this really cool reveal in the story. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then we're gonna kick you out of this house. You gotta come back, and you gotta you gotta finish the game. And th- then you're like that tied with the addictive gameplay to get you back to the story is what separates this game from like to me Spider Man, where Spider Man was like, oh, this cool ass reveal, cool. Uh, I guess I can better go upgrade my suit time and wait <laughs> ten minutes before the story, you know, before yeah. I gotta get called go be back. a friendly neighborhood Spider Man yeah. real quick. Where yeah. that where this game is just like okay, cool. Back to the action. And I'm really enjoying it for that reason. Yeah, I, I, I'm really curious to be that the story thing. I think so far the story and just general production values is kind of what makes you come to that thing of right now, again, my question is, if you have a lot of disposable income, yes, it's worth $70. Yeah. If you are someone who actually wants to make sure that you're getting the right value out of your thing, and then also the price I just genuinely think it would have performed the best at, 50 is where I see this really yeah. existing. This game would be a Hades-level blockbuster at 40 for certain. Also 50. without some of the bugs it's been having. And thankfully, it's part of why I started. I waited to start. Uh, it looks like I'm on the other side of a lot of the issues that people had to wait to be patched out. I still have two issues with it that has happened to me. Um, one is, okay, when you go in the house next time, do you look in the mirror? No. Look in the mirror at the, at the bedside table. That it's, Oh, it, wait. The one that's in the hallway? It literally takes the game to 30 frames per second. It cuts the frame rate in half, and I don't know why. 
has it rendered the world twice. I guess so. <laughs> no. Nah, uh, um, but yeah. the second one is micro stuttering. Haven't had that yet. I'll get every now and then when there's a lot of enemies on screen and like you jump and especially like when you when you dash one way as you're looking the uh, next, you'll see it just kind of go like stutter. Okay. And it doesn't happen often, but it happens enough for me to be like, okay, that's okay. Well, those are small problems in comparison to the game corrupting your save and completely getting rid of all. And people go, well, it's a roguelite. You don't. There is no save. Now, there's a save. Every roguelite in existence has an underlying yes, save feature. There are permanent. Yeah, you can't items. save in the middle of a run. Which I actually think that there's a strong chance that House Mark might look and go, maybe we do need to let people save in the middle of a run in this game. That's my Dead Cells lets you do it. That's my one big complaint is yeah. that I, if 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 I want to. Like, let's say if I'm in the middle of a run, and it's a really good run, and you're like, you know what, I'll take a break from this, I won't go by near. You can't. Yeah, you can't. There is Which no way you can. brings us to two things. I do think it, it means that you can bring in the save feature, because games like Dead Cells, which have much shorter runs, have had that feature since either day one or the first patch. Uh, I love that. I thought it was so cool. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm not dead in a run, but I can choose to exit game, and when I start, I'm right back where I left off. That's awesome. I didn't die, so I shouldn't be punished for dying. Yeah. But it lets me have the lateral movement to go play something like Nier, which is why I wanted to wait so long to start Returnal. It seems like it's something you have to really commit to. But the secondary thing is, it's a very strong argument as to why PlayStation should have actually considered something like Smart Resume. Because if you can yeah. actually do what Xbox does, and you can have a game like Returnal, and you can have it up and you go... I'm in the middle of a run. I, I, I want to do something else. I, I did that last night. Today, I'm feeling like playing near. I'm going to put that over to the side, play near. When I'm done with near, I can smart resume right back into this game, not lose any progress. So it's much like I always hoped, and it never came to fruition, that Sony would look at something like the snap feature from the Xbox uh, One whenever it originally had it at launch, and then they got rid of it too. The only thing I ever thought was actually good about Xbox at launch. But... I really think that Sony should look at something like Smart Resume. And if it needs to have caveats because of the fact that it has to balance, like, oh, well, if you use it, certain games just won't work because it's going to take a little bit of extra processing power, fine. But between being able to play something like Nier and Returnal, just having the option there most of the time is a big benefit. And I think it helps games like Returnal be able to be justified without having to have the developers go, now we have to think about how to make save states midway through. There, and add that into the game. There's two things. We can get off this and go to the community state here in a second because sure. yeah. um, time. But uh, uh, two things can make this game an instant worth $70 to me. Like, I could tell you with confidence, like, yes, I think you'll have fun with this with $70. A cryo tube, so you could quit. They could easily implement that as, like, you going into cryo sleep is you saving and quitting. Oh, yeah. It could be super easy to add that. Like, basically, spots throughout the map where you can hit it, yeah. get into like, it. Like, and, like in, what, in, 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 in a biome, there's one room or one one of these. And, and you have it, teleporters everywhere. Yeah, so. so you can get to it in a fairly quick manner. But number two, this game would benefit, in my opinion, so well. It would be so sick for multiplayer co-op. Ooh. I would love it. Even if it was like they take all the story elements out. And they have a boss rush mode where you you just literally go through each biome fighting bosses and and, and you and a buddy. And Does Into no, the Gungeon have co op? I don't know. It might on PC or something. But I would love this game so much more if I could play with you or anybody from Discord. I would uh, I'd have a blast because it takes it, it would add that destiny kind of thing to it. But what I think they should do is keep loot pools shared. So it's like, well, this really good grenade launcher dropped. Do you want it? And that kind of adds some yeah. like fun stuff to it. But overall, uh, as Returnal as a whole, yes, I am thoroughly enjoying the game. 
Um, I, I don't exactly know, but apparently there's Parsec Arcade, which is lets you play into the Gungeon with a friend. It doesn't necessarily say if it's like a, the normal version of the game where it's like a continued run, or if it's maybe just like, oh, it's the gameplay, but you're just playing it from a uh, top-down perspective, and it's kind of like a horde mode. It doesn't say. Hmm. I'm not sure, yeah. Never heard of it. Interesting. So we're going to get into the worst communities take. What? Oh, it is there. Enter the Gungeon, PlayStation 4 co-op. Oh. Two players shoot through Gungeon. Oh. Yep. Interesting. That's kind of cool. I thought I'd seen it. Once you started talking about it, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a roguelite with it, but then I started thinking, yeah, Enter the Gungeon. I don't think that this game was built for it because of the high quality that it is. I don't think it could handle two different players on the screen at the same time. It would be the forest. It would have to drop the game at 30 frames per second. And I'm going to tell you right now. No. You don't want this game at 30 frames per second. (laughs) Um, But... Why don't you guys let us know what you've been playing this week in our podcast discussion on Discord, which is in the link below, um, where you guys can participate in community chats and stuff like that. Just like the community's take, which is the worst one we we have ever asked on an empty stomach, because I am starving and I got to go through all these food options, and I I don't get to eat for at least an hour. Well, look, <laughs> so, we're gonna start we're gonna start one off in a way that will probably turn your opinion completely around. You ready for it? Go for it. I know which one you're gonna do. I think, <laughs> of course. Uh, one of our patrons, Kyle Grimm, or Kyle Grimm, Kai Grimm, as he calls himself on there, he says, Grizzly Long Cut Wintergreen. Yucky. That's after the snack. <laughs> so I at least liked that he was like, oh, it's it's like the dessert. So he says, I prefer to have Doritos, chocolate chip, uh, Intenman's cookies, Reese's, dark chocolate, anything sweet. Keep a few drinks by me, too. I hate getting up when I have the chance to sit and play. Yep. I've limited myself to very little because all the stuff kills me afterwards but i love a good snack before or during gaming and i used to dip while playing i felt it to be relaxing while gaming um yeah you know i hadn't thought of it and i've seen a couple of answers on here that are talking about people uh basically smoking dipping and all those things while playing and um little thing about me i don't do any of that stuff so I, it seems so weird to me. Not in a way of like I'm judging you. It's just like, oh yeah, that's a thing that people do. The only thing I could think of is the few friends that we've had, including Saul every now and then if you catch him on the right time, just right in their microphone ripping a fat vape. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be funny, that's actually my buddy Donovan. We were playing the forest the other night and all you suddenly hear is this... And it sounds a little more electrically charged yeah, than that. but that, A little crackly. Yeah, my man, he, he as he calls him on Facebook, he said, nicotine is the only snack I need while gaming. And I said, my man be, be ripping those fat vapes. He said, the fat, juicy vapes. Juicy vapes. I don't, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Star Pants, he hits us with, uh, with a good one. He says, I know that's about to be weird, so don't come at me. But given it's thought, I like to order pizza at times uh, when he wants food delivered. But more often than not, he'll cook and eat boiled eggs. And I'll tell you right now. Boiled eggs are delicious. Boiled eggs are delicious. Uh, now, I, in, I am, in correlation to gaming, I, I don't know that I understand that one. I am too lazy to cook boiled eggs ever, so I just Me buy too. the pre-boiled eggs. Me too. Like the big old bag of them, I buy two or three of them. They're so good. Throw some salt, pepper, a little bit of cayenne, a little bit of paprika. They're kind of expensive, though, those bag ones. I bought them one time. I'm like, they're good, and it saves me a lot of trouble. Well, But in comparison to how much just a dozen eggs cost? I think it's 4 bucks, and you get 12 So That's 2 bucks more than a standard thing of eggs here. Yeah. so It's it, double the price. Is it worth, <laughs> yeah, is it worth that $2 so I don't have to boil 12 eggs? And for me, yes, it is. Just be able to pop that bag open and pop eggs in my mouth. Um, I want to shout out somebody real quick, Rob Henry, one of our patrons. He says... Um, 
I like this because he came before I even posted anything. This is Thursday, I think. He said, this week's communities take his favorite meal before or during gaming, right? This man took it upon himself to go ahead and answer the question before it was even asked. He did. I appreciate that. He says, if it's video games, I like to I like my trusty go-to pepperoni pizza from a local place. And if it's t- a tabletop, we get some sort of Asian slash Indian food. Interesting. I love, I love Asian food and Indian food. Chicken tikka masala is amazing. I've never had Indian food. You, you we had taste of India around here for a little bit. Was it actually Indian food? Yes, yeah. it, it is. It, it is. Is it still around? Yes, it is. Where Genghis Grill was. Oh yeah, they have so something I think you would like uh, is called chicken tikka masala. It is chicken. I've heard you say this with before, sauce so. on rice. Well, you don't like rice, do you? I mean, I'm indifferent. Okay. Well, no, Jonathan doesn't like rice. Yeah. Jonathan can't stand rice. Yeah, he will not eat. I get Chipotle. He doesn't get it on his. I prefer brown rice to white rice most of the time. Oh, I love white rice. But, it just seasons with whatever you're eating it with. Yeah, um, for sure. Another patron, Shave Dog, also answered before. He said, during long gaming sessions, I tend to take a pause for a nice omelet. More egg-related answers. I love it. I love omelets. Uh, one with get a cheese or get a cheddar cheese and tomatoes. I will never eat while playing or just before because I'm too anal about getting gunk on my controllers. Also, if you've I never feel. heard of getta, it's basically pork, pin, oats, onions, and spices. Comes in a roll like a, a sausage, but not as greasy. Has a but long and interesting history. I think I have seen this getta. I, I have not seen, not eaten, seen because I remember thinking. They're adver- or they're showing this and putting it near cheese, but it doesn't look like cheese. It almost makes me think of like when you see like a tube of liver. Because I know that because my wife gets tubes of liver. And uh, that's not for me. That's disgusting. I didn't know they made that. Yeah, she she gets that and then puts it on crackers and eats it. Or no. Just puts it on a plate and goes on about her business. She'll actually take the tube. Like, you know how people will take a tube of cookie dough and they'll cut the end open and just get a spoon and kind of eat it? Yeah. She'll do that with the liver. <laughs> so this is really interesting. This is like taking oats and these meats and making it together. Almost like a patty. Almost like a granola or, bar. Yeah, but basically. Meat. But And then you cut it out like a little patty. Yeah. yeah. I don't it like, looks good. I don't like onions that are not deep fried, so I would skip the onions. But yeah, that that sounds really good. And I'm also really hungry. So that, <laughs> that sounds I love extra omelets, good. though. Let, let it go on record. Jalapeno ham and cheese omelet is my jam. I'm going to run over to Twitter real quick. And one of our patrons, Mr. Dennis, which is Kevin Bacon Bits, he says, Normally nothing. Only time I had a specific snack I went to was when Black Ops 4 first came out. And I would have ice cream sandwiches while playing Blackout with all my buddies. Anytime I died, I treated myself to one. And I went through a lot of ice cream sandwiches. Ice cream sandwiches are one of the best finger foods ever made. But when you're gaming, I completely understand. Because every time you eat one, you that the, little stuff get just gets right on your hand. Yep. That chocolate from the, the bread. Well, They're delicious. Well, but if you're smart with it, too. My problem I have is that when I get things, including burgers from like fast food restaurants, my initial thought is not... Only wrap half of the wrapping down so that you have something to hold it. My right. whole brain is what, just like, why are you? This foil's in your way, bro. No, take it off. For me, if I'm eating at home, I've gotten better. I've I will. Better I will. I will. Because the desk, it's the same desk we used to record. The desk that I that I use. If I'm going to eat while or before I game, I'll just take like a burger and lay the foil out that it comes on and use that Fair. as a plate. Fair. But if if I'm at like your house, like when we had we played you together night, I got Sonic. I would like it's something about me and being germaphobic that like. 
I have to unwrap it from the phone and eat it, it as I hold it. Yeah. When I'm anywhere else but home. That's yeah. how I am at work, you know, here, anywhere. Like when I uh, eat that's Wendy's, not a restaurant. When I eat Wendy's on the go or even like I'll do the thing where you wrap half of the foil back. Yeah. If I get McDonald's for some reason, I will take – because I normally get a quarter pounder, double quarter pounder, and I'll just take the box and like hold the box under it while yeah. I eat just in case. But I used to not be that way. And I actually, as much as I do like ice cream sandwiches, it's been years since I've had one. So my habits might have been broke enough. A lot of that came from Chipotle. Whenever I order Chipotle, I used to take the whole burrito out. And you've seen how big those yeah, burritos are. Like, you know, and, and, and I'll be like, wait a minute. This could get super messy. Why do I not just unwrap half the foil, start with that, and then work my way down from there? But I, uh, I haven't eaten Chipotle in a while because I don't like the way that they have constant outbreaks with their meats. But yeah, fair. I've never home. had an issue, and I, I don't even think that they've had an outbreak since I've gotten turned on to them. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of think I'm going to get some for lunch one day this week or something. Yeah. Uh, this one's interesting. Uh, Ryan, the Skinny Rage, says, Peanut butter M&Ms are about the only thing I'll snack on while gaming for obvious reasons. Peanut butter M&Ms are really good, but Ryan, here, here's the deal. If you like pretzels... Get the pretzel M&Ms and the peanut butter M&Ms and just mix them together. Speaking of pretzels, if they were easier around, and I don't, I'm not a big Bucky's component, I, uh, proponent. I don't really care about it all that much. You should. I'm going to tell you right now. The one thing that Bucky's has actually done to benefit me is those absolutely delicious blueberry, blueberry pretzels. Yep. Oh, my God. It's worth a trip to a Bucky's. Dude, they were so good. Actually, you know what? That's it, also great gaming food because you can just kind of roll them right out of the snack and do, like, out of yeah. the bag into your mouth and you don't have to touch anything. Uh, I'll tell you what. we could, Instead of going the way we did last time, <laughs> we go to Roy City to go to Walmart, look for Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and stop by Bucky's. There we go. Um, Emil's homie, a.k.a. Liam, he says, chicken and broccoli Chinese with delicious zero-sugar drink. Speaking Yo. of zero sugar drink, yeah, so I was I'm, drinking I'm, one right now. I'm drinking one right now. I have almost fully transitioned to only zero sugar slash sugar free slash diet drinks. Um, well, I'll say that diet Dr Pepper, no other diet drink because that Dr Pepper is pretty good. We but, got a uh, couple more we're gonna get because it's all right. We do have to kind of get. Going we do got to get going. All right, yeah. so real quick, I want to go. Uh, this one's fun. Josh Shoup says I'm a firm believer in snackage equals messy controller. Not in this house. I applaud you. Nothing worse than seeing those old Xbox 360 controllers where you're just like, ugh. Hey, when hey. I worked at GameStop, I would like, as soon as someone brought one in, I'd put a glove on and I would hold that controller in my hand. I would pour alcohol around it and it's just like, I'm not ta- I'm not touching this controller. That's the future for PS5 controllers. It, pr- I think it's a little different because the, the texture is a little that different on gonna it. That texture is going to rub away with a uh, hand but, sweat. Yeah. Promise you. Mine, yeah. mine has already like, my hands aren't going to sweat that much. But uh, the texture on mine has already like compressed. A little, it's smooth. Yeah. It's very, very small to begin with. Yes. So, I'm not so I promise you that there is there that that's going to be the the future for these controllers. Oh, Matthew Green, one of our patrons, says I tend not to eat anything messy. Maybe have some biscuits while playing. I think biscuits are like cookies in oh, in the like the UK and stuff, right? They are okay. Yeah. Short, like not like. Um, Almost like, yeah, kind of like a shortbread. shortbread. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's uh, a very delicious, like, buttery cookie, if I'm yeah, not Yeah, he says, while playing, just so controller doesn't get horrible and sticky. Good call. He goes, but does alcohol count as a snack? I think it depends on who you are. Saul's a big proponent of uh, destiny wine, wine drunk and destiny. So I think that that inherently means that alcohol has to count. Um I don't know about that life other than hearing Saul be wine drunk on Destiny, which listen, is always listen, funny. Wine drunk is a different kind of drunk. I think you people who have drinking wine can can tell can can know. What kind of drunk was it 
that night that you were really emotional? Wine drunk. That's what I said. It's 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 one of those like it is. I couldn't remember if that was wine drunk or if you were whiskey drunk that no, night because no, that was no. around the time where you used to be big into Fireball. That was no. That was I had stopped drinking Fireball after that because it made me throw up and I I I don't know. I I had this weird thing like where if I associate a flavor or a a, a food or drink out of throwing up, up, I won't. Mm-hmm. It, it'll take me years to come back to that. It. Hence why I won't eat at Whataburger with those delicious E. coli burgers they gave me. I tell you, I still carry the the pain of throwing up spaghetti. Spaghetti will be cut before it is eaten. <laughs> yeah, just chew your food. Like that's that's a non-factor. Just chew your food. Hey, listen. No, just chew your food. <laughs> you don't have to cut spaghetti up. Chew it. I want to do two more here. Okay. Danny Candyman Villiobos, another one of our patrons. Thank you guys. He says I usually go with a bowl of tortilla chips or Doritos with lemon on them before gaming. Ooh, the Doritos are a, are a dangerous game there, homie. Doritos are finger dust magnets. So Tostinos are, are delicious, like even by lemon. themselves. Because Hold on, you squirt lemon. Yeah, that's what I was. I was like, well, lemon. I may have to try that. That kind Not of sounds lime, good, but w- lemon. Which one? I need to know. Is this uh, is this the nacho cheddar? Is this Cool Ranch? Is this one of the other flavors that I'm less familiar nacho with? Nacho cheddar. This man's a Doritos pleb. It's nacho cheese. Okay, sorry. You gotta get that right. <laughs> and last one here. Nacho comes. cheddar. That's a dollar store Doritos. <laughs> Let's see. Just next to it. Is- last one comes from Joshua Lago, and his is simple. Weed and tea. I don't want to have to wash my hands or get the controller dirty. Okay, this is a what real, kind of tea? This is a real question. He drinks a lot of different teas. He used to whenever like we hot would, teas. Yeah. Okay. Um, T- hot teas are good. That's why I asked. So here's my thing about the, the the people who like vaping is a little different. I think. Do you know if vaping is? Uh, I don't get high. No, no, no. Is vaping in line with like? Uh, does the does the smoke from vapor cause discoloration on things? No. It's, I didn't, it's I didn't vapor. Think it's not so. even smoke. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a smoke. You're right. Property. It technically yeah. is vapor. Um, that's the thing about people who like legitimately smoke or like yellow walls. Or and it depends on. And the thing about weed, I guess, is it does depend on how you're consuming it. Because I don't know enough about that. I assume there's versions that are going to be either less smoke or no smoke because the smoke stays in a thing. But I always think to my in myself. There are people who are advising not to burn candles in the same room as PS5 because the material of the PS5 side plating picks up stuff from candles really Suit. badly. It absolutely does. Mine has mine has done that. Now, it's, Mike, it's nothing you, to you know I run off. a candle in here a lot. Yeah. It's pretty far away. I haven't noticed any discoloration okay. on mine. Do you know where do you know where my black bookcase is next to my closet in my game room? Yeah, it's that's quite a my, bit away from yeah, your that's, system. It, that's where my candle goes. Wow. And it's still it's black suit, so it's like an alcohol wipe. We'll just yes, wipe it clean well, off. Yes, yeah. Well but, no, one person said it was like it was starting to yellow over time because of it. Uh that doesn't make But any this is a guy sense. who I think said he burns his candle like he has a desk top to a degree yeah he, he, i don't remember if he showed a picture or if he just described it but it, it sounded like he keeps his candle on the other end and his like consoles on the other end and they're close enough why would a candle can't a candle won't even yellow walls to my knowledge like I've, Again, i don't know i like i am one of those people that i will burn a candle almost every time i'm like in my game room and i have net that my walls i've lived there for six years almost and my walls are not yellow i don't know but this I know I said two more, but this one's just interesting. Uh, Randy here, and one of our longtime listeners and friends. Hope you're doing well, Randy. I know you were going through a bunch of crazy stuff with tornadoes and whatnot. Um, much like Kai Grimm, he says, "I just dip snuff." <laughs> and then it brought up Matthew Green, who we mentioned being from overseas. He says, "Dip snuff." Is that different where you are? And he put in parentheses a tobacco powder for snorting. What? And that was my immediate thing. He says, nah, but my great-grandmother used the powder snuff. 
Now, I know that there's a difference between snuff and dip. But do you snort snuff? I don't know. Snuff is a smokeless tobacco made from the ground or pulp. Or wait, what? Made from oh, made from ground or pulverized tobacco leaves. It is inhaled or snuffed into the nasal cavity. What? You learn something new every day, boys. And you could buy this? No, I, no joke. I had zero clue that this existed. I've had my grandpa used to do. Uh, he would do dip, uh, chewing tobacco. And whenever people talk about snuff, I always just think of like dip in a can. See what when my I, grandpa would get the big in like big. I think it was like Red Indian or something like that. It's, it's an old brand, <laughs> probably not politically correct enough for today's <laughs> things. But he would take that and he would just get a big old thing and shove it in there. He stopped doing it like by the time I was like eight or nine. Um, but that's what I remember. So it, that's man, that's news. I when I worked at CVS, I had a coworker who did, I thought it was called snuff. I might have the name wrong, but it wasn't that it was, um, it was like a little tin can that had these little pouches in them. And the pouch it was like you were dipping tobacco, but the tobacco you put it in a pouch. was in a pouch. Yeah. And you just buy them. Like you, you could buy them in there. They're like, they just come like that in a little tin can. You throw it like in your cheek or whatever. Next I to think your that's gum. supposed to be for, I think that there's supposed to be like nicotine packs that you put in your mouth and chew on to help people quit, sno- uh, quit smoking. And you're supposed to like no, change he, strength down. No. Cause I, Trace I, was doing something like that for a while. That might just be his alternative to quit smoking. Like how some people. Well, no, but it was like the one he showed me is like there was multiple strengths. So like you would, it was high nicotine strength. If you were used to smoking a lot and every week you would scale yourself back a little bit. I have no clue. This was not that this was a, this was a one, like this was a they white, a little white pouch. No, it's a brown pouch. Yeah. That's probably something different then. Interesting. Um, unless I think they were brown pouch. I couldn't tell like, yeah, they're brown. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, that's enough for that. Appreciate all of you who answered. There was a lot of answers on this pretty popular one, so that's awesome. We, I think it, that's what's fun about doing more broad strokes ones. Uh, it really lets people come in. Uh, before we get into the news, though, and start really talking about a lot throughout this episode, or a lot more than we already have, uh, we want to remind you that this show is brought to us, or brought to you, by you and us. Uh, and if you want to be part of that, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month or more depending on what you want to do um so many people already do that and people have recently upped their pledges a couple of people have had to change them trust me we understand money is money and you either maybe you the value you found in the podcast has changed you don't have the money to it anymore any number of reasons we appreciate any support we've ever gotten from you be it time or money so thank you guys all so much yes thank, um, thank you all and with that we're going to go ahead and hop into the news first thing up on the news is lost judgment which is the follow-up to the Yakuza spinoff title, Judgment, or in the Japan called it Judge Eyes, has been revealed and is planned to come to both PS4 and PS5, as well as Xbox One, Series S, and Series X at launch, instead of being exclusive to just PlayStation for a stint like we saw with the first game. It is planned to have a season pass and story DLC, two things that the Yakuza series proper has yet to dabble in, which seems to be getting mixed reactions. I think that that's a lot of Japanese games don't tend to do that. 
Yeah. Final Fantasy being one of the biggest ones, but it's also like the bigger AAA. And uh, it's pretty interesting. The game is set to release on September 24th. So the first one from what I've played is interesting. And I guess while we're on that, we'll go ahead and kind of segue into the second topic because it kind of ties in. Uh, while on the topic of Yakuza, fans were surprised when Like a Dragon, the most recent entry, was revealed with a change to its traditional brawler-based real-time combat to a turn-based setup. At the time, it was considered an experiment. But it's been revealed by the developers that moving forward, the series will utilize turn-based combat and the action-based gameplay will live on in the Judgment series, which does seem to be continuing on, which plays a lot more, uh, at least combat-wise, like a traditional um, Yakuza game. So you kind of get the best of both worlds there. And maybe that's the way to kind of do this, right? If you want to make a big change to a series, but you can find a way to kind of bifurcate them, mm-hmm. then you can continue on with people who like one version, and, on, and then you can do another one a different way. Final Fantasy has been doing this for a while, but I know there's that group of people that want a mainline, solid, like, you know, full-on entry, not a side spinoff game of Final Fantasy to return back to being turn-based. Are you one of those people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it could be done either way. Like I will say that the, the 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 premise that it was done in a side game is brilliant. Yeah, sure. But I, which a same, lot of Final Fantasy side content right now are you know what I mean, like the phone games and whatnot are of course made to be turn-based cuz it's it works better with a phone's touchscreen. Well, Final Fantasy is weird like that anyways because it's like ever since 9 or 10, I should say, after 10 Every game's combat has evolved into something different. Sure. Because, well, I'll say that. Well, well yeah, because 11, MMO. Yep. 12 was, oh, MMO-style combat, but wasn't an MMO. And it wasn't exactly MMO-style content. It was the closest you can compare. Yeah. Um, 13, oh, definitely weird. Um, 14, MMO. Well, 13 was weird because every game in 13 played differently. Yeah, but that's what I mean, because the first one was turn-based, and then I never played the other two, but it was, like, it was a weird time, a weird real-time thing going on three which was lightning returns the final one 13 three i can't remember two i'm trying to remember its gameplay i think it was actually stripped down it, it had something added to it but i don't remember it was closer to the first one though lightning returns was like you'd battle and you'd go into like a, a little almost like a tail style thing where you'd load into a thing yeah. and it was like real time but in a very small area it's that you know square has just done some weird stuff with that Sometimes to great degree, though, because I mean, I you're not wrong. I'm not I really like uh, I really like the way that, and normally it's because of ways where they kind of make it turn based, but not. Crisis Core is one of those perfect examples of a game where Crisis Core is not actually full on real time, but it is because what happens in Crisis Core is when you go to what you want to do, be it attack or whatever, you have to hit, you have to do L and R to get around to which one you want to do. Right? Whether you want to spin materia or do an attack or whatever, but you have to hit, you have to go to the material you want in real time while you're running around and then hit the button to attack. But you can't do anything else until that's completed. So if you hit attack, you can't suddenly back out of an attack because it doesn't happen immediately. It's more like you run towards the next person and it will do the attack and then you're done. It's like it's a rails, like on rails in a way. It's it's super weird. It's almost, it reminds me of final fantasy seven with it's like active time battle, but more that you're getting to just move around while you're doing. Yeah. You're getting to actually move around the battlefield, which is kind of what 12 was. Yeah, twelve was twelve was still weird. Like you had to I wait to it, attack, but it's so but weird. when you're while you're waiting to attack, you, you can move run. freely so that you can dodge in real time. And then when you would lock onto the enemy, the little beam would hit the enemy. It would auto run you over there to attack on. Yeah, it's very different. 
But I get it. Um, next up, the rumor mill is churning again, and this time in regard to new DualSense colorways. A Spanish site that is known for PS Plus leaks in the past apparently has shared that two new options are on the way to accompany the standard white, which are red and black and black and gray. No date is given for them to drop, though it notes that they will launch very soon and there are no pictures or any other sort of documentation official or otherwise to back the rumor up that said take it with a huge grain of salt but those of you who are hungry for something different just might have it soon and this is also here's the thing it's it's a rumor at this point it's also a pretty easy rumor to believe because sony themselves have been saying there's going to be other it's just other colors it's just win so we'll see the I'm the excited. argument always here is what what kind of clout are you getting from sharing fake news if that's you know which clearly actually you do get clout you do yeah <laughs> we worked with somebody in the past that was exactly like that would specifically do stuff like that to get clout and then it all came crashing down so don't but that's see that's what I feel like is sooner or later it all it always has to come crashing down right you might get lucky once or twice yeah like you could. Like you could just fall in the back, like the lies, like he did in a way where it's like, oh, well, my source fell through. It wasn't right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, or, all, like your, your sources always fall through or you're predicting very easy to predict information. Exactly. That's the other thing. I think sometimes people just predict something they really think is likely to happen. And then when it gets that, when it happens after they said, oh, this is happening. Like, See, I told you so. Even I, if only 60% of what they said is right, they're still right enough to be validated or so they think. It's an interesting world that we live in in that regard. But My uh, favorite thing was when that guy jumped in our Discord and was like, this is what the state of play will have. And then... He forgot he posted that. So you could, you could still, I'm not going to say who it is, but you could still find that message on Discord. Like, that was so wrong. He's like, <laughs> and I was like, how do you know this? And he's like, he, I forgot what emoji he did to me. Like, it was like the, like the shade emoji with the shushing or something. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, you're completely, you're an idiot. Yeah. Uh, this says after some, uh, next one up is after some questions in regard to whether or not the Vita will be able to continue having new game releases despite the reversal of the store closure, publisher Sometimes You has taken to Twitter to announce a final sale for its games on Vita, as well as confirm that the original deadline for new digital releases on PS Vita is still valid, meaning that unless Sony does something different, no new titles will come uh, after midway through summer. Um, which feels weird. To me, I guess what this comes down to is that they don't want to spend money having people uh, verify, or what is it actually, I, I'm, I'm certify uh, new Vita games because that's resources that could be certifying PS4, PS5 games, I suppose. Yeah. But if you're going to leave the store open, why would you not just keep letting people who want to make games make games? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like That's kind of the argument that I hope we see change in the future. I mean, we saw them do one thing. We can only hope it's going to keep on going that way. Uh, next thing up, Digitimes have reported that Sony plans to have a PS4 hardware revision start production in 2022. This is very unlikely. I've seen a lot of people talking about this to be anything more than just internals changed. Uh, likely to help hit production needs. As Sony has talked about, if they can kind of change what they have going on, then they can make it to where they can hit demand a little easier yeah. because of the semiconductor shortage. Um, as well as just typical other things that Sony typically does in terms of small changes to help the system run better, be better. Or in this case, the PS5 is currently on a 7 nanometer die, and it looks like a 6 nanometer version is coming. So if they wanted to, they can shrink the die size, help with heat a little bit more, energy efficiency a little bit more. Um, 
which is good. That's not a bad thing. And for anybody who's looking, I mean, if you go through and look at it, PS4 Pro did not get another change anywhere along the line. But if you remember, the Red Dead Redemption bundle of the PS4 Pro was the first PS4 Pro that had the new fans inside, which helped have a quieter PS4. Uh, it's just small things they can do to help. And Sony always does this, as well as most manufacturers. Not only that, but this is another one of those dumb things that you can easily predict, quote-unquote. Of course. Because that would be... 2022 would be three years after the PS5 had come out. It will be... No, it won't. It'll I'm, be... I'm the, it, two, two years after the yeah. PS after the PS5 had come out, which gives them another year and a half to develop a slim or a revised whatever or a they want to do. or whatever. Yeah. So, like, any anything that could happen in 2025 could be like, oh, yeah, that's because I was right. They said in 2022, and that's when they did it. Yeah, this is less of a prediction. This is more of an actual report because they have, uh, they've already lined these things up and scheduled them out with manufacturers. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is good. I mean, that's something that's going to be done in the long run anyway. Uh, calling back to our cold opening, Insomniac Games have renewed the trademark for Sunset Overdrive, which has spurred speculation for a sequel or a remaster. But don't get hopes up just yet. This is likely just them holding on to the trademark to keep the ability to easily come back to an open should they see fit i think the biggest thing here is that sony hardly ever lets any trademark fully expire yeah uh, and if they do they tend to open it up just so they can kind of do what they want but the upside of this is it at least shows that people are looking at the game enough to be like maybe we should keep the trademark so that it saves us time and trouble down the line i hope so but the thing is is that we've seen this a hundred times since we've done this show let alone in the past 10 years of companies coming through and renewing trademarks and then they're just sitting there. Yeah, I mean, it's really just kind of being like, well, if we ever decide it's cheap enough and easy enough, let's go ahead and do it. Uh, and the reality is right now, there were some leaks while we're talking about dumb leaks of people saying that Insomniac was going to have an Insomniac-developed um, remaster for Sunset Overdrive. And then that came out this year, and then they were going to announce at the same time Sunset something. It was basically going to be uh, Sunset Over. Hold on, what was it? Sunset Overdraft, where it cost one hundred ninety dollars, one hundred ninety thousand dollars. But there was going to be a sequel announced, also by Insomniac. And I'm like, man, Insomniac has a bunch of teams, so they they have more teams than a lot of PlayStation things have traditionally done. But the real thing is, is that there's no way that we see Insomniac as much as they put out lately. It just doesn't seem like that's likely yet. The re- the real more likely is that part of Insomniac is working on uh, the Spider-Man sequel since Miles Morales was like a small crew. It was like a semi-team yeah, uh, that went off and did that thing. And then so you the Spider-Man sequel is clearly being working on, worked on. Ratchet and Clank is pretty much done. So the team, there's probably part of that team that's getting ready to sh- go off and figure out what the next game is or join someone else who's already working on what the next game is and could it be a sunset overdrive sequel yes but that's the same thing it's just people who are being like oh yeah this is a leak because they're looking at this and that's probably exactly what happened somebody was super eyeballing the trademarks saw that it was renewed and then said we're going to make a leak about them doing a remaster as well as a sequel because that's just what happens yeah clickbait uh, Discord and PlayStation, despite Discord recently being in talks to originally be purchased by Microsoft and then backing out, have announced a partnership to where PlayStation will have fully integrated Discord starting in 2022 into its thing. Uh, we did get a question here that I want to bring up, and I already closed uh, our Discord out, but I'll get it open. Uh, speaking of Discord, it was on the Discord. It was JehudiMD, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, and he was basically asking, like, in regards to what's going on, um, 
This is actually what he said. After the Sony Discord partnership, do you have a change of mind in regards to PS Home? And my actual response here is I think that there's at least a somewhat of an argument to be made that Discord partnering in here somewhat impacts the usefulness of Home, but I don't think so massively. I don't think it does either. Um, I think what this is amazing for is for people who play cross-play games like Warzone. Exactly. And you can now play with your buddy on Xbox and have Discord chat directly on the console and don't have to have your phone or your computer next to you with it plugged in that instead. Well, and I have an extra layer here. I think if they're very smart with how they choose to integrate this, because Discord is already somewhat integrated in Xbox. I don't know to what degree. But like when you're playing on Xbox or on PC and you have Discord open, it'll show what game you're playing. Yeah. Uh, and that's cool. Now, I don't know much how much further it is, but if both of these companies would let Discord come in and really integrate within their things, you can kind of solve the problem that's been a long time with crossplay where they don't want to have chat across because you don't want someone who's on Xbox's ecosystem to say something to someone on your ecosystem because there's no way to report and handle it. Right. Now, if if Discord's smart, the way that they can kind of do this is that on Sony's side, when they when you want to have all the control you want, great. You can go to their party system and do all that. But when you go into games that have cross-platform and cross-platform's already hitting, it seamlessly without you knowing makes the party chat actually switch over to discord side and discord is what the voice chat's happening so that everyone sees everybody and then sony can say that was on discord discord handles all chat for cross-platform games so whenever someone comes up you need to you need to talk that up with discord and the legal side of it's all handled by discord because they're now the intermedium yeah and i think could, that that is a great idea yeah, i do too i think that this will work flawlessly hopefully if it if it runs anything like I'm imagining it, sure. And I think to to your point, Jehudi, uh, the the main reason, like I had mentioned to you in the Discord, and for anyone else who's kind of just thinking that, I think that the market specifically for home and what we're kind of thinking it could be are those who still want a virtual space that has no barriers. Besides, this is what I actually said to him. Besides proximity in the virtual space, because if you think about it, if you set up home correctly and you do what we talked about last episode, where you walk up to someone and you can start talking to them without having to go join a group on Facebook, make a Facebook to begin with. If you just want to be on your console playing games, you want to go find somebody else who's like-minded, you can hop into home and you already have a number of things in common. You're both on the same console. You both like the idea of home, which means that you're both likely looking for people to play that are not your normal group of friends. I think it's a great idea for that. And I know plenty of people in the past who used home, despite the fact that Facebook was around and Twitter and all those things, um, because of the fact that they don't want that. Saul's a prime example. Saul's not a big person for Facebook. He doesn't want one. Nope. He has a Discord, and he uses our Twitter sporadically because it's just not much on him. And I'll say, I'm not huge on social media. Discord's probably the one I'm most into, yeah. even though there's drama that comes with Discord naturally because it's an unfettered place for people to speak in real time without it being like comments or anything, you know, it's more just like, a, it's it's more like I am between a lot of people. It's like AIM, but in the edgiest uh, version of the internet. But I think that that's part of why I like it too. It's a little bit just kind of off the cuff and that's, you know, it, it feels more like real human interaction, but there's still that layer of people hiding behind online uh, things. But to that degree, uh, I like this. Chris said, if home is just PSVR chat, like on PC, I think it's, uh, I think it's called just VR chat. It'll end up being the biggest app on PS five. VR chat is huge. And I'm not going to say, I think it's the biggest app, but I think it'll be very big. And I think it'll really spur adoption of PSVR too. Yep. 
So we'll see how that ends up working out. Uh, next up on the news, Sony has a new lawsuit against it, claiming that its removal of PS Store codes and digital games for the PS Store from the retail market which happened back in like 18, 2018, uh, gives them a monopoly. Sony's, and this is a quote from the thing, Sony's monopoly allows it to charge supra competitive prices for digital PlayStation games, which are significantly higher than their physical counterparts sold in the competitive retail market and significantly higher than they would be in a competitive retail market for digital games. Here's the thing. I actually 100% agree with this. Yeah, (laughs) monopolies are not good. Competition's good. Monopolies are not. I've thought this for a while, too. I used to think it was really weird that Sony decided to pull from everything. And I think that's for a number of reasons. I mean, there's ease of access for me. Like, someone gets me an Amazon gift card or something, and I'm just like, okay, I can use that Amazon money to go buy something I would use, like a PS Or like me, who got a PlayStation card. Exactly. For gift card, and that's that's how I got Returnal. Yeah, so when you kind of look at it that way, I think there's ways that it should be open to everybody, but I also think it creates competition in a different way. Sony technically is the only way you can buy anything from their digital marketplace, and that is ultimately a, a, that is a monopoly. I mean, I don't think that there's really an argument against whether this lawsuit has valid claims, because I think it's impossible for them to argue otherwise. I think that what comes down to here is going to be what does the judge see the impact of this as enough to want to do something about it. Um, I'm curious to see how this one turns out. You know, what's crazy. How has Amazon not gotten hit as by monopoly law yet? There's a lot of different reasons. <laughs> uh, well, at least the things I think some of them are just, they do a lot of things. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Have you ever known anybody who's worked uh, for a place that has union stuff. Yeah. And I only use this comparison because it's just kind of yeah, interesting. Uh, exactly. So you know people who work for union places, and some of pe- some people like it, some people don't, but there's protections and certain things that come with the union that people like. Well, there are places that don't run union, uh, and I know people who work those, but they basically operate and treat themselves as if they were union so that their workers don't actually unionize. So what I think is going on with Amazon is that they are doing things in a way that helps them look like they're not being a monopoly so that nobody ever comes after them for being a monopoly. That makes sense, I guess. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Amazon has Amazon Smile, where all you have to do is literally just go to uh, amazon.smile.com or something like that and choose choose a charity, and everything you buy, uh, a, a portion of what you buy goes toward whatever charity you chose. And when I say that you can choose any charity, I mean any charity. Our local Kiwanis group gets checks from people buying on Amazon Smile. No different. You don't spend any more money than you would have. Yeah. It's Amazon being like, hey, I, you buy so much from us, we're going to take a percentage and send it to someone. I do that. I do that with St. Jude's. I do it as well. Yeah. I do it for the Children's Hospital in uh, Little Rock. But I didn't know I did know that was one on there. Yep. Uh, and actually even further, I do it for their, uh, what's it actually called? I can't remember the name of the program, but it's basically like music for it. Uh, cause it's a lot of music therapy stuff that you can do anyway. I like that. And that's a cool thing, but yeah, I think that they're just constantly being like, we're going to keep the monopoly hands off of us by doing a lot of really nice things. And it, you can argue that it just gives them good PR. It's kind of like Sony doing their um, their carbon input uh, imprint thing, where they're changing their packaging and whatnot to be uh, environmentally friendly. Like if, if you notice when you unbox your PS5, it's significantly yeah. different. And it was all like paper. 
Yeah. It wasn't plastic. Or there was like, there was one plastic piece, I think. Like, it's kind of wild. Yeah, but like, if you buy a new DualSense, it's just in a cardboard box. There's zero yeah. plastic. Yeah. And I think that that's a good thing. I get that Absolutely. before you wanted the plastic so people could see it, but that's just, yeah. If you look at the 20th anniversary PlayStation box I have over there, dude, the packaging on that is ridiculous. It's way too much. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little crazy. But that's also a special edition, so I get it, but... Uh, yeah, so we'll see how that ends up playing out. Uh, PS Now games for May have also been revealed and added to the service so that subscribers can check them out. Those three games for this month are Neo, Jump Force, and Streets of Rage 4. Neo's been on PS Plus before, too, which is a bummer. Yeah. So. Man, it is what it is. Apparently, Jump Force, even though it was a game that I think came out and kind of floundered, has been consistently updated. So apparently it's really good now. If you like I heard a lot games. of bad things about it. I guess that, that's the need for all the updates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the one that we at saw. launch, it got a lot of problems. That's the one we saw at E3 where it was like Naruto and then yes. uh, Light and Ryu. Yep. And, okay. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that game got slammed. I want to say, isn't like Yusuke in it and stuff like that? I, again, I think it's, it's all shonen characters. Yusuke, Yusuke. Who's Yusuke? Yusuke Urameshi. Oh, does that that name sound so familiar? But I can't think of who that is. You Yu Hakusho? Show? Oh yeah, boy, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think Yugi and Kaiba and whatnot are in the game as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is Joey Wheelie in there? <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. You know how funny it would be to make a f- uh, fighting game that's only Yu Gi Oh characters. Not like I would love to see Rex. Uh, oh, what's his name? Rex Rex Raptor is that his name? In yes, that? it is. Rex I, Raptor I and Weevil Underbottom or whatever his name is. <laughs> just fight, not even like with the cards. Just like see them slap fist or whatever. You know, it'd be ridiculous. Uh, next couple of things up are really going to be us talking about. And look, I'm gonna tell you this much. This is there's be- so much this week that there's in terms of specifically revolving around things that have come out due to the Epic Games lawsuit that there's no way we're going to cover them all. So if there's something that you're interested in that we didn't end up talking about because it's naturally going to lap my brain and I didn't have enough time to write all of them down, um, hit us up if you want to be part of, uh, you know, p- uh, part of our uh, episode at one point. And speaking of that, Sean gave us a really good um, question that we're not going to have time for today, Sean, but I'm keeping it in my mind. I want to talk about it. Could it be the community's take? maybe i think maybe what we'll do is we'll have to save it for next episode to where it's all kind of together okay we'll, we'll see um because it's a little I, you know what well, it'll be the community's sake and then we can use that to segue into our opinions on the next episode um a couple things that have happened uh that have come out here epic games uh, if you don't know for some reason uh have a long ago and it's just now hitting court uh and discovery is what that say, that part of this uh, trial is called epic games lawsuit that they put against apple for i think competition i'm trying to remember exactly what it was they were basically positing that the closed ecosystem that apple has uh is a detriment to gamers because they have so many users that it's approaching a monopoly while we're speaking of monopolies um, and that there's things that they do that they get away with that are not for the betterment of people and gamers, even though arguably, and what we're going to find throughout this thing, Epic has done a lot of things yeah, that are arguably say, not good for people mad, as well. They're just mad because they're, because objectively or actually subjectively, there's probably more iPhone users than Android users yep. that would play games on their phones. I, I genuinely don't know the break of numbers. I don't either, I but, mean, but whatever. Regardless, I, it's, a, it's a big enough section. Well, okay, think about this. Remember last week we talked about Fortnite revenue, right? Which is kind of also part of this, and how majority of it was PlayStation and followed after that was Xbox. Right. Uh, Apple only accounted for like 8% of, of revenue for Fortnite. 
because it's not on there anymore. <laughs> what well, do you expect it to be? Okay. Uh, but that was across a three-year span. Oh. Well, who knows? There's no telling. That's what I mean. So after actually seeing that, I was like, why would they go up in arms against Apple for this to begin with? Well, and, that, uh, and there was pretty interesting stuff, though, that came out of this, too. Did you see how people were talking about subscription services? And do you remember that xCloud was not going to be able to be on iPhones because uh, Apple had restrictions where they wanted every game that you could stream to be its own app that had to be developed individually instead of being like Netflix or right. HBO Max where you open it and then you choose what you want to stream within that. Yes. The judge brought up a really great question in regards to that. They said, okay, so how is how is streaming games that you open a single app to then choose what you want to stream and then click on any different than Netflix? And Microsoft was like, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. So one of the interesting things that could come from this is that Apple, either due to public opinion due to the way things are going, or maybe even because of the way the lawsuit pans out, may have to open it up to where xCloud can be on Apple through a means that's not the browser. That would be really interesting. And let me clarify something I was talking about earlier. When, when I mean like there's probably more people playing Apple games than, than uh, Android. What I mean by that is that there's probably more kids who have access to iPads and their parents' iPhones more so than kids with Android devices that could play Fortnite. Yeah. Um, on Apple. I don't mean in general. I know like there's you have the whole emulation game and stuff like that all on Android. But I mean specifically for this instance, I could foresee the the younger kids that are into Fortnite hardcore look like iPhone users. <laughs> I don't so, know about any of that. You're an iPhone user, so you choose to group people together based off of what you want. I guess so. <laughs> but I, I, I can just foresee like a lot of kids, they have iPods and iPhones to be able to play. Sure. Then like kids with Android devices. But then again, there's so many different types of Android devices. That it's actually easier and cheaper for kids to end up, and a parent would be more likely to buy a cheap Android phone for their kid to play games Unless on. Unless they're spoiled kids who play Fortnite. Who then? Who, who will I use this as an example because you know that Kyrie has my old um, Huawei Honor Seven X or whatever the heck it was, something like that. Um, yeah, that she uses. That was a two hundred dollars phone when I bought it, and I used it for two years as a work phone. Got a new one uh, for no reason other than just I wanted one, so I let her use that one. It's not an actual phone or anything. She just uses it to watch YouTube and play games on. But that's two hundred dollars, and it's a perfectly fine phone. It's actually a pretty nice phone, um, and. $200 is a lot different than your kid being like, but mom, I want an iPhone. And the cheapest option you have being the iPhone SE for like $600 or 450 or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also in my eyes, the same kids that I've ran into on Fortnite have the parents who will buy them a full-price iPhone 12 Pro. You're probably, again, generalizations are weird because there's always ex- there's always examples of when it doesn't meet the match but yeah, I don't know I, I haven't played things. enough Fortnite to know uh, apparently have you like played Fortnite with kids who were talking smack to you dude just ask Jonathan the, the few times I've made Jonathan play there's always like these like they just sit there and talk smack all day long <laughs> and for me the way I also look at younger kids too when it comes to gaming on phones and stuff like that is they are more inclined to do that like it's more common nowadays to see a kid with an iPad or or a mobile device that they're on rather than wanting to watch something or play something on TV or Switch. Sure. 
So here's one of the big ones, and I'm really curious to see where you come in on this uh, because I think it's going to be a big thing for a lot of people. In the reality of what we always talk about, you know, one of the things I think we mentioned last episode, it might have been the one before, was how I don't completely buy into the idea of pro-consumer versus uh, you know, anti-consumer because all things are inherently meant to benefit the business. Um, so it, it's somewhat going to depend on how you feel about there. But one of the things that came out as a regard uh, or in regards to the discovery thing here is that PlayStation, it, it showed PlayStation being hesitant about crossplay and why. And that part of why PlayStation was hesitant about crossplay was because they were under the um, thought that Microsoft also hadn't budged on a, a crossplay at all, which we've talked about before. There was a lot of examples of Microsoft being against crossplay, not only even throughout the Xbox One generation, but previously the Xbox 360 generation when Sony was a little bit more for it. Because when you're on the losing hand of a business, you stand to gain more from crossplay than the other people do. It's just, right. just the nature of business. Um, so in this regard, uh, there was some stuff that came out about Sony being against it. Uh, Epic trying to push Sony into letting crossplay go, and that it was going to be basically crossplay, whether they whether Sony agreed to it or not. Uh, but there were some interesting emails that came about it. One of them was like a here's a list of things that if you'll let us do, then these are ways that will benefit you. And it, it was like we'll extend your Unreal Four license, which has some of the best terms we've ever had for a license. Uh, we'll extend that on without having to come to new agreements. Uh, we'll do a new game for PSVR or a PS5 or whatever it was that it was going to happen at the time. I was like, we'll do a new game and we'll have it at E3. We'll we'll make you look like a hero in this situation by being like Sony really shepherded this in. And there was all sorts of little things that were coming with it. But it also capped off with uh, the any possibility for you to say no to us Right, went out of the door the moment Fortnite became the biggest thing on PlayStation. It was just a really crazy email. But one of the more interesting things that came down to this, and I don't know if you saw this, was a document that Sony had, an internal document, that talked about when a game is cross-play. Um, basically, if they lose so much of the revenue split, despite the playtime being more on their side, they, they will be paid a fee. Did you see this? I want to say yes. Let me see if I can but find it real place. It didn't specify the fee, though, did it? Uh, yes, it did. So PlayStation cross-play fee document. I want to see what this if I can find it, because it was really interesting um, about the way that it came up. And I thought... Oh, this is interesting, but it also makes one. So here it is. Cross-platform revenue share. Uh, you can look these things up. Again, these are all over the internet because they just came out as part of discovery for this. Um, the document right here says, if, if the proportion of PSN revenue share divided by PS4 gameplay share for a title is less than 0.85 in any given month, the partner will pay SIE a royalty to offset the reduction in revenue. The partner has no obligation to pay SIE a royalty in months where PSN revenue share divided by PS5 gameplay, I mean PS4 gameplay share, is greater than 0.85. Both PSN revenue share and PS4 gameplay share are determined by the information provided by the partner in the data requirements. And here you go, you can see Saul. Here's your calculation example. It shows month one, and for anybody who's listening, I'll explain it. It shows month one cross-platform revenue of, of this is fictional, a million dollars. The PSN revenue of that $1 million was 900000 which means their revenue share is 
the PS4 gameplay share, which means that even when it was being share played, 95% of the people were coming from PlayStation. That means that they don't have to pay anything because they're not seeing a very big differential in the revenue, despite the fact that they can play with everyone else. And just to clarify here, what they're looking at is that by opening crossplay, someone can play the game on PlayStation, and that could be the biggest place and the biggest amount of players, but for some reason, they could be like, oh, well, I've got 20 bucks on Xbox Store that I don't know what to do with, so I'm going to take my character over to Xbox real quick, buy uh, some virtual stuff over here on Xbox, and then Sony loses out on that revenue despite the fact that the player is going to continue to play the majority of the time on PlayStation. So what happens in a month too, right? It shows that the cross-platform revenue is still a million, but PlayStation's uh, PSN revenue is only 600,000 of that, which means the revenue share is 60%. But for some reason, the PS4 gameplay share is still 95%. In that case, it shows right here, cross-platform revenue, 95% of PS4 gameplay share percentage equals 950,000. 950,000 minus 600,000 is 15%. So 15% is what they'd have to pay, which would net them a revenue share of $52,500. Now, for anybody who got lost on the weeds of that, basically what's going on here is Sony is arguing that all the work they're doing and uh, to build a place for people to want to play and all the marketing that goes into these things to get people and eyes on their machine Fortnite is benefiting from that, but then they're letting people take their money and spend it elsewhere, even though the majority of people still on there. So Sony is losing revenue by opening up for crossplay, which is one of the strongest arguments that we had as to why Sony was so hesitant on it. It stands to lose them money in the long run. I think this is a perfectly reasonable idea, and it actually goes to show that, hey, on months where we have less than a 15% differential, we're not going to make you pay anything, even if we did technically lose revenue. It's only when it gets a certain point that we're going to be like, okay, now you're benefiting off of us, so we're going to ask you to pay us a percentage back so that this is not a complete loss on our part. How do you feel about this? It's like a mixed bag, like I guess. like it's. I wonder if was this... Kind of, was this Woy ever intended to know about this? I don't think so. Um, there's a really interesting uh, video by Hoag Law that is that kind of just talks about this. And this is actually a pretty common thing, this type of thing, where they send this off. This is an internal document that they let lawyers see so that when lawyers go into handle negotiations between people, they can let someone understand. This is When it comes to revenue split, this is exactly what our client expects. And then we can choose that and we can kind of negotiate from there. This is how we handle revenue split. Um, and he said this is a really common thing he sees, not necessarily this exact thing, but this idea. And it really goes into kind of the legality and looking at it. But I think even anyone could look and say, if Sony, despite having almost everyone on Fortnite still playing, this is still a hypothetical, but if Sony's having the vast majority of people playing on them and yet they're not still seeing the vast majority of the revenue share, that's disproportionate. It's not unfair for them to say, hey, for people being able to still play the majority of the time on us but go spend the money elsewhere, we want a bit of that back. It's not that we're getting all of it. We're asking for a percentage for people benefiting from having players be able to play with our people. So I guess the real fair way about this, all of those, is does Nintendo have to do this? Does Microsoft have to do this? Well, we don't know, but also both neither of them are majority. Neither of, neither of them are the majority at all. PlayStation no, but is the even, vast majority. Even if, even if they, but even if this was a thing for them, it's sure. it's worth mentioning and 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 and, and, and the reality about. is is that it could be, but it didn't come out in, and it won't. In this. Yeah, and it won't because it shouldn't. 
Um, yeah, this is this, these are things that we would never normally see. Yeah, and this is this is like real back end kind of stuff. Yeah, um, a lot of legal stuff. Actually, I think that this piece of paper too uh, used to you could look at it as part of the court documents. Sony asked for it to be pulled away because it didn't have anything to do, as far as they were concerned, uh, with what was there, and the court agreed that it was. It did not matter, so, so they pulled it. You can't look at it officially in court documents. It's just been spread everywhere now. So we don't know the real number. Nope. We don't know the real amounts. Nope. It's kind of hard to form an opinion on that. I think the biggest thing we can do is look at the way that revenue uh, share split last time. Sony was in the lead with 48% of revenue, if I remember. It was in the high 40s. Uh, everything else, the second runner-up to that was less than half that percentage at Xbox. It was like 20-something percent. Yeah. Um, so and when you look at it that way. PC as well, right? Uh, yes. It's including PC, mobile, every, everything. Every, every, every player. Everything. So PlayStation 4 was the king across the last three years from Fortnite. Um, and, th- I mean, that was revenue share. That didn't quite show gameplay share, but revenue share is almost, it's, it's got to be indicative of gameplay share to a degree. I guess I'd have to see the fees that, or, or have an idea if that Microsoft, Steam, or anybody or else, not Steam, but Epic, yeah, or anybody else would have to pay for this before fully becoming opinionated on it. Because it's easy to say that, yeah, that makes sense on why they disabled crossplay or whatever. But I still think that that's not the brunt of what the problem was. Well, this is this is their solution to allowing crossplay. Right. We allow it, but whenever we start to lose too much share, despite the fact that still most people are playing on us then we're going to make a some small fee so that we're not completely at a loss here. Yeah, but that's there's a the brunt of this though is that the fact that a lot of people are still caught up in saying um like you know like you see this is kind of why this was thing like nobody's still mad at them for this or or they shouldn't be in my opinion. This is you know old stuff that happened. It, it sucks, but at this point and as far as there's we can tell, else, this is the policy that's in place currently. There's nothing that's alluded to changing. Yeah. So there's no reason to still be upset over this or to be, or to or to have your hopes up, I should say. It, there is reason to be upset over of this if you do have friends that play on Xbox or Switch and or PC and you play on PS4 and none and they they don't have it. Um but to me it was always the locking the account to that console. Yes. That was the Which was part of that idea, right? Yeah, and I think that that there tying in the ability to crossplay, I think, is a um, is a privilege. I think having your own account is a right. And then when they restricted that right, that you couldn't transfer that when everything else could, that puts your right in violation. And I think that that still does not make up for this. I think that is it. Now that I, now that we kind of see it's behind money, it's almost even worse. Because now we have a reason, but then once again, we don't know for certain if that's why the account to that could be a that could be a a, a, a well I think this a came programming later, thing right because the, the account lock I think came with Sony saying yes you can play with anyone but we're not going to let people spend money elsewhere and then come and bring it back to us that, which was the same day if not the day after that all the crossplay stuff went down yeah so that, Sony's I think this was Sony's ability to say listen if we're going to open it up to where the people on Switch can have their account open and they can carry stuff everything they had on this they, account they comes over here. And I, I don't actually know because I don't play Fortnite. No. So I do want to say I'm not completely open. I, I'm not completely knowledgeable on how Fortnite has panned out across all this. That if you if you go back, as far as I know, there is no more lock on an account. Now, no, yeah, now that I don't know. Uh, but but yeah, people they they did not come out and say that publicly originally. 
that was a sure. you had to find it and you were kind of pissed off because hey why can't I do this? Yeah. Well, Switch is not having problems. Xbox is not having problems. I think that's where you get into like my opinion on that's still pretty much the same. If like if if everybody else is allowing account wide transfers and you're the oddball out, you're not a good guy because of that. Granted, that decision was probably made for business. However, it is one of those things too that. I don't play this game. I have no right to be upset about it. This is a business decision that I'm not paid to make or to, to, to consult about. So it's one of those kind of things that this whole entire Apple uh, slash Epic slash PlayStation lawsuit stuff going on, I just don't care about it at all. There's nothing that is in there that is intriguing to me about it. I It's just one of those things that like, it's just a lawsuit for a business. It happened to be for two businesses that I actually like, Apple and Sony. I just kind of don't care about it other than that. <laughs> well, and see, the reality is, is that these things don't because this, this doesn't benefit. Like, no, all it, it does is all it does is let someone understand why Sony was against it to begin that's with. The, and that's, this was Sony's. Like, Sony's against it to begin with because there wasn't. If you look at the emails, Geo said there's a lot of people coming to us about crossplay right now, but no one's been able to explain to us how it's a good thing for PlayStation. It's only a good thing for everybody else because they benefit off of PlayStation's back, which is arguably true. And that's why we come to this thing of. This can the only reason this should impact your feelings towards Sony. You shouldn't care that Sony's telling Epic that they want to, hey, we want some of the money that you're getting in off of our back. That's completely reasonable. The only thing that comes down here is that Sony getting to this point to where that document was made was part of the reason as to why or the fact that it wasn't there yet to be honest. It's part of the reason why crossplay was locked down to begin with. And then secondarily it was why even though they opened up to crossplay Everything was locked because it was like, well, we don't want you spending money elsewhere. You can play with these other people, but you can't take your account elsewhere and benefit from what you got off of us and then buy on that other platform and come back to us. Now, as far as I can tell, again, I think that's been undone, and that's because Sony said we've got to come up with some kind of a policy that makes this make sense for us business-wise, even if it's not the best. Because the best business for Sony is to just say, no, we're going to do it in terms of pure money. It's to say, hey, come down to here. Sony looked at this and said, we can get some PR benefits from this, still be on top and not look out weird while still having a back-end way to make money off of this from people benefiting from our work, which I think is, from a pure business point, I think this is 100% fair. If someone's looking at this and is upset that Sony's wanting a piece of the pie, you don't understand, and I, that doesn't mean anything wrong, but you don't understand how business works at all. Sony cannot operate without saying, hey, if you're going to benefit off of our back, we've got to make some money. It's the whole reason that all these things like copyrights and whatnot exist. Sony should not – if Sony's upset because someone makes a Bloodborne sequel named Bloodborne 2 – and they're making money off of something that Sony owns, then of course they should be upset. Well, Sony doesn't own Fortnite. A I know. Little, a little bit of a weird... I know. Yeah. But Sony owns the majority... I say this. Sony has the majority of the people who are playing Fortnite and has the majority of the playtime spent on Fortnite on their system. Which so is, what they're saying is, hey, people are on our system because we've made our system a great place to want to come to. You're benefiting off of our work. Right, but then somebody... And I'm not saying... Yeah, that I think this, or that many people will, but I can guarantee you that some, that some people will look at this as a negative for Sony, saying, yeah. "You already have the majority market, and yet you're asking for more money." Yeah, you know the crazy thing here too is that this all happened before Sony has twice now invested a lot of money into Epic. You know, not only <laughs> that though. You know what is interesting about this? We know that Sony has had a past with bankruptcy and issues financially. One hundred percent. Sony has every reason to be cautious. That's. That that is something that a lot of people 
probably should take into account, Microsoft no time soon is going out of business. Xbox will never go out of business unless Microsoft does, and that will yeah. never happen. And actually, we know right now that Microsoft's gaming business is not profitable. Yeah, and, and, and Nintendo made the Wii U. And they're not out of business. The, Nintendo's not going anywhere. Yeah, they all all Nintendo has to do. Let's say let's let's say Nintendo starts to have some low sales. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, Ocarina of Time HD remaster for the Switch. You're back to millions of dollars in revenue that you just did. Yeah. Uh, you they they a Game Boy Advance Mini that has all these games on it. You sure. know they they could do a million things. Sony has to be careful because they have the TV game, which up until recently wasn't doing quite well. Up mm-hmm. until 4K TVs got re. Uh, well, I say reintroduced, but put in a market for more budget friendly. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, but I was gonna say more so consumer level pricing and not yeah. like business level. But yeah, consumer level yeah. pricing and budget options. Their laptops—they don't even own Vio anymore. They don't own Vegas anymore. They don't own a. You know, they, it is. It is their t- biggest business is gaming and sensors for cameras. Ga- gamers, sensors, audio, TVs. That's all they have now. Yep. At this point, and the the cream of their money comes from PlayStation and followed closely by camera cameras. Sensors. Yes. So when you look at that, and you look at Sony knowing how many of their businesses they've had to sell off, and how many of their businesses have been the red for way too long, yeah, it made it makes one hundred percent. It's it's also the difference between why sometimes Sony does things that you look at and go, wow, I love Zipper Interactive. They had to close Zipper Interactive. They're like, hey, this is not an endless money train, guys. We can't afford a miss. Well, and like- as much as we were talking about being upset that Sony is not in that position to make interesting games anymore at least from what we were seeing and looking at they're more risk averse well they have to be i can still lament the fact that i missed a day when sony because they were in an even worse spot than now were like we have to throw all costs into the wind if we're going to make it at all we got to let anything is, and everything be made which is crazy because at the time of the ps3 generation when they were taking losses on every console so they're making some of the wildest games yeah. that they have not ever returned to yep um Quick little fun thing about Sony and cameras, though. If they don't watch it, their their cameras are going to be gone. <laughs> well, they make the vast majority of smartphone sensors. Right, but what they keep So that's doing, where their money's really at. Samsung, uh, Apple, uh, OnePlus, everybody uses Sony sensors. For context, I do photography and stuff like that, and I'm in photography circles, and they keep releasing so many new bodies. And this is not necessarily true, but when a new... DSLR slash mirrorless body comes out, it does not make the old ones obsolete. As a matter of yeah. fact, it doesn't affect the old ones at all. And normally you uh, have a similar connector for your lenses. To do it, yeah, to a degree. However, Sony keeps pumping out new cameras like three times a year, two times a year, where Canon's doing it like they do it where it's like once a year for here's your average amateur style camera, like what I have, here's your here's your hobbyist camera, which is the camera I want, and here's your professional five thousand dollar body. They do that like once a year for each each tier of that. Nikon sure. does it too. Can uh, Sony? If you go to like ask photography, like you'll see a couple people asking why is Sony releasing so many cameras so quickly, and they are releasing new bodies that are good. They're good, great quality. Sony is, makes great quality camera sensors and bodies and for, and lenses. It's nothing about quality at all, but it's just the the amount that they keep releasing makes people feel like the stuff they're using is obsolete. Hence why they don't do that with TVs, and hence why they don't do that. And they with make console revisions. That's the thing across the board. They make fantastic phones. They make really great stuff across the board. But their market share in most other markets is really rough because they exist in that. They they mostly exist in that premium space. Like their cell phones cost a lot of money premium normally, space, but they're not premium. 
I mean, arguably they are. They're almost too premium. There's a new Xperia that's out where it's like a $1,500 phone. It's got 4K screen. Uh, Nobody needs that, though. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. That's what they keep doing. And it was like the, the phone that came out. It's got out. a crazy camera with all these things, and you can actually connect it to a Sony camera body, and it becomes a viewfinder. Yeah. That, and I've actually seen. I actually it's watched. It's super cool. MKB, yeah. But it, the whole brunt of that is who's doing that? Who, Nobody. Wh- where's the market for it? Yeah. yeah it's, it's super weird. The Xperia before that was a flagship phone that didn't have a flagship processor. Cost us a flagship did. Yeah. But the good thing about it was the camera and something else involving the... Um, They've the, had 4K the, screens the for a while. No, it was... So it was I wouldn't some, be surprised if it was Something involving a button or something. If I don't, I, It's been so long since I watched that review because I was curious where Xperia was. But we got to go. What's the community's take? I forgot. Okay, so I am going to do the community's take based off of Sean saying, let me run That's over right. to Twitter real quick and actually grab it because I closed Twitter. My bad. And uh, while he does that, for all you guys that, uh, you know, we didn't mention it this episode, but you can find our Discord in the description below. If you want to follow us on Twitter and hit us up on there, it's Triangle SQRD. We have a Facebook group that, like Brett mentioned before, I will not be a part of because I'm on Facebook. But that is Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. Go there and ask to re- or request to be in the group. We'll, uh, they accept pretty much everybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up other than our Patreon, which we'll get to after the community state question. Yeah, and speaking of our patrons, Sean, who suggested this topic, is actually part of it. And I've kind of skirted around this topic, topic a few times lately. Uh, he's kind of going back to something we say on the show pretty often and people across the industry say pretty often, which is he says topic. We talk a lot about games getting more expensive, but no one ever dives into the real reasons why. If pushing graphical fidelity is a big costly factor, shouldn't we be asking where to draw the line and switch focus more towards storytelling or game mechanics? And what I want to say about that is, where do you stand on that? Do you want to see gaming continue to push this graphical fidelity line, or would you rather see them focus on making the games cheaper or at least using the budget they're doing to do more than just make them look pretty? Where do you stand on it? Are you a gamer because you like the way they look and feel and that production value? Are you a gamer because you like how they handle storytelling and how the interactive medium can actually be uh, handled and how, of course, in a game like Returnal, how all these things marry together with great game mechanics, great story, and all those things. So uh, it, it's kind of wrapped around that. I'm going to find a better way to really phrase it. But essentially, where do you stand on graphical uh, pu- pushing graphical fidelity being the highest reason? In terms of cost. Behind budget increases. Yeah. Uh, and I had mentioned a few times, and this will definitely be part of the conversation next week, about Sony using some of their existing IP by using them in different forms than we've been used to taking a kill zone game and being like hey let's make a top-down shooter kill zone uh, that doesn't have crazy graphics and it's more just about hey let's dig into the lore more of this game and create interesting game mechanics so that people can get more out of this world and i think that that's exactly how you do it you stop worrying about budget for making the, the next kill zone look crazy and instead you go People just like Killzone because they like the Hellgas versus ISA. Let's just do that in different ways and find interesting ways to do it cheap. Look at Metal Gear Acid. Yeah. Metal Gear Acid is so good. Phenomenal of a game. And it's so Sequel different. Sequel was eh. But yeah. Yeah. The, it was phenomenal. And it's a card game based Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah. So it can be done. But I'm curious to see everybody's thoughts on that. And of course, we'll dig more into our topics on that. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more crazy stuff that's come out as a thing. Oh, the one thing I didn't say, which is real real quick, just for anybody who's curious, Epic apparently offered Sony $200 million to port four to six of its first-party titles to Epic Game Store. 
Yeah, didn't that, as yeah. far as we can tell, they it's declined. unlikely that it happened. It actually says on the thing, "Waiting for a response." No, they declined. It, that would be a good. But response. Days Gone being on both Steam and EGS, I think, kind of gives you your answer. <laughs> Which that actually launched last week. So if you are listening to us for PlayStation news and you uh, want to go get Days Gone, it's on Steam now as of this last week. But is it? Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was. You are correct. No, it just came. For out. some reason, I thought it was like the nineteenth. I something. saw a a four K. Uh, oh, hold on. Here we are. It's pre-purchase. It's not out yet. No, I saw, I've seen people take screenshots of it. Man, we're, we're going to find out. I'm going to say I was born on January 1st of 1932. Unless this is a guy that just has it because he's reviewing it for Probably. Steam, which could be a thing. It comes out May 17th. I was close. Okay. I thought the 19th. Okay, so yeah, you need to go look at screenshots out on PC because oh, uh, the crazy. stuff you showed me on, on PS4 are crazy enough. This is even crazier. Yeah. But this show is brought to you by you guys, more importantly than us because we are we are not as important as you guys who make this show happen and you guys help it by just in general just supporting us hopping in our discord chatting with us hopping us uh follow us on twitter making it fun to do making it fun to do <laughs> yeah um i still am playing through near but i am i'm hopping in our discord more and more so uh I, I don't see anybody talking about there twitter i'm still worried about i don't want spoilers but you guys have been wonderful to us, and uh, we appreciate everybody who's uh, come along for this ride for as long as we have, and as well as people who follow us on Patreon, because this show, uh, there's hidden costs to podcasting that you know you, you kind of get surprised by when you first start it, and then as the years go on, you're more accustomed to, but it helps us pay for stuff like the lights that light this shot up, the camera that's right there, um, everything back behind here in terms of like the furniture and everything like that, we bought with it because we changed studio sets. If you're curious, go look at our old set. It's weird looking uh, compared to this one. But <laughs> it's been so long ago now. Anybody who's like looking up an old video suddenly be like, not only that, but the 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 actual location is different. Like there's a TV there behind that was that that was not there. There's a TV on that wall. Oh yeah, yeah. He, that's, he's remodeled that. For anybody room. who's seen my remodel, that's <laughs> that's the wall we set behind. That's where the bookcase used to be set in front of. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you could support us on Patreon at just a dollar a month, and that is more than enough. Uh, as well as just the presence of you hanging out with us in Discord and other places. And uh, if you do really really enjoy the show, be sure to tell all your friends about it. Um, you and can happy Mother's on- Day to anybody yeah, who may be say, listening to the show who is a mother. Yeah, I don't. So- know a lot of you but uh, yeah i know one i think there's one that i know um but happy mother's day happy mother's day sorry i had to rush the show for this but i think you mothers will understand um oh, saul, saul's got a hardcore bounce yeah all right <laughs> bye guys late. bye guys see you saul <laughs> thanks bye. to our patrons kyle grimm josh jarrell matthew green my name is dan luke bartolomeo sean sanarude funk turkey danny villiobos Corey hickerson blake popes kevin bacon bits mark schutz shadowist steven salazar the stonard rich constantly kenny solitary red chris figs zachary sawyer landis rude days 93 Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warppoint, Richard Schaefer, and Ham N. Egger. Thank you all so much. Remember, head to patreon.com slash nartech if you want to join those lovely people, and we'll see you guys next week.